I'm Elizabeth Fay, and I am a huge Schedulicity fan, enthusiast, um, promoter. So what Schedulicity can really do for your business and what it can do for your life um, is so amazing. So it's a modern tool that's going to help you systemize all the procedures in your business. And they're probably some of them are ones you didn't even know you have or you should have. It's going to systemize them. It's going to make everything streamline and do it for you while you sleep. And this is the way that you can make more money and have more quality of life. So everything from upping your rebooking rates to taking deposits, helping you enforce your no-show and cancellation policies, all the way to your email marketing, and even the way you get tipped and process payments. It's like having a front desk, an assistant, and a virtual assistant all in one in your pocket for such an affordable price. So if you haven't already gotten... Hello, everyone. My name is Jerry Natuno. And this amazing podcast is brought to you by Schedulicity. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Hey, hey, welcome to your day off. My name's Corey. Of course, I sit with my best bud, Tone. What's up, man? What's up, brother? How you doing? Oh, blessed, man. <laughs> blessed every day. Hey, so uh, once again, I yes, we feel blessed because once again, we uh, we get one of our faves, one of our favorite peoples on earth on the podcast. All the way on the other side of the Atlantic. Yeah, I know, right? That's so cool. What's the time difference? Five hours. Five hours. So uh, it's the middle of our morning and the middle of her uh, evening. So, uh, you know, we're getting the chat done. I don't know why I, I always thought it was so much longer. But I mean, it's, you know, like seven hours, and, mm-hmm. but now it's only a five hour. Only five hour. Yeah. Just a little bit further in like LA, right? Yeah. The opposite way. Yep. A little bit further. That's cool. So today our guest is Sophia Hilton. And once again, she delivers bombs. Um, we're just going to kind of open the mics, let her talk about what she talks about because she's so great at talking about it. And, and, you know, it, it, she can relate. She knows, she understands what she's talking about, too. You know what I mean? And it's her, it's her passion. It's it's her heart. And, you know, when you have someone so passionate and, and so heartfelt when they're talking about something like that, it just, you know what I mean? They you, You're just in. You feel it, right? A hundred percent. When she talks, you feel it. Yeah. What was it E.F. Hutton? Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um. Only me and you. E.F. Hilton. Right. Yeah. E.F. Hilton. I like that. That's good. It's the E.F. Hilton show today. Um, so uh, let's get in, dude. Uh, yeah. let's, let's talk. So, Miss Sophia Hilton, welcome back to your day off. Thank you, guys. I absolutely bloody love you, too. Aww. You're like so professional. It's like you've, I don't know, it's like you're made to do this stuff. Well done. Oh, go, go, come on, man. We're a bunch oh, of dumb people. No, really. Like, <laughs> like, I just People. They're just shit and stuff like this. You just like just rolls off the tongue, honestly. Uh, so good. Well, we so truly, we truly, we truly love you. I mean, we truly respect you. We truly just believe in the things that you you're talking about because you are so passionate about it. And today's topic is no different. No, definitely. And like, I, I love that. I love that Sophia um, kind of 
is owning this space. And, and I don't mean like, like it's hers, but you know, that she's willing to talk about it in a real honest and open way. It's because so many people are afraid to talk about it. They bear, they bury it. They keep it. You know, if you don't see it, it, it doesn't exist. Oh yeah. I'm guilty. You know, I think we're all guilty. <laughs> we're all guilty of it, right? Yeah. That's it. So, Sophia, uh, 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 tell our audience what, uh, what we're talking about today. Well, I thought it would be really nice to just be really honest as a salon owner. You know, what is behind these Instagram accounts that just look so polished? Because the more I've been honest online about what I'm going through as a salon owner, which you have to be quite careful of because you can't say too much because <laughs> your employees are reading it. Um, but the more honest I've been about how challenging it's been for me, I just get piles and piles of messages from other salon owners going like, oh my God, like I just thought I was shit at what I was doing, but actually like if you're going through it too, it's okay. And I don't know, it, it's given other people a lot of strength for me to be more open. And the more response I get, the more open I want to be. So I'd love to be open with you today um, in hope that that would give someone else a bit of faith, you know? It's a difficult conversation, like you said, because, you know, you have a staff that's relying on you, you know, and they're relying on you as this, as this unbridled, you know, owner, you know, and, and how this expert, right? Yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, nobody's working for you because they don't think you can do it. So for you to show any kind of vulnerability, it, it, it is a difficult conversation, you know, and, and I don't know, and, you know, I don't know if, if those conversations need to be kept in private. I mean, like the conversations you're having with other salon owners, not necessarily what you're willing to share. But, oh yeah, those are, yeah. yeah, yeah. general examples, but, but, um, but please. Yeah. I mean, just, I mean, just big, big balls to you for for even attempting it because because there's so much there's so much on the line for this conversation i think um yeah one talking online about business is really hard because i can't really talk about what's going on at the time because there's privacy issues sure. and actually if i talk about how i'm feeling about something actually um i'm going to really upset a staff member so i, I there's an absolute line of what i can say i can usually talk about stuff massively in hindsight you know something from quite a period of time ago that's kind of left and it can't be obviously about one staff member or something like that that's not fair that's completely rude but an overview of things like recently uh, i've had a really big turnover of staff and it's the first not only the first time i've had people go before but the first time it's happened in such an amount and it doesn't half make you think what have i done wrong who am i like what, what you question everything about yourself um and i've had a few people leave me because they don't want to be here that's the honest truth but generally for self-employed i'm an employed salon Mm -hmm. and a lot of people want to come and go as they please and have that kind of freedom and i can't offer that here um because we're a team and i invest into education and you know I, I, i do that and then i've got a lot of people that just left to be abroad so i've heard a person um my manager moved back to Australia. She's opened up her own salon. Um, another person emigrated. Two people moved back home. Got another person moving back home. Another person moving back home. And I've got another person emigrating coming up. So I've actually, I'm actually losing even more people than you can even see now. Wow. Um, but the nice thing is I've been given quite a lot of notice. And I've got to give credit. And this is for any stylist that might listen as well. If you can have an honest relationship with your boss and give notice, oh, it's so nice. <laughs> like, maybe you can't always do it, but where possible, I just think it's such a good thing. Like, when I left my company, I worked for Brooks and Brooks for Sally Brooks mm-hmm. um, and, and for Jamie Brooks as well. And 
I, I offered to stay for as long as they needed to replace me. And I was so adamant I was going to keep a good relationship between us, um, which wasn't that easy, actually. It was a bit rocky, to be honest. But I don't know. I don't want to build... Uh, I don't want to... Uh, what's it called? Break bridges. Build bridges? Break burn. 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 Burn them. That's yeah, it. Yeah. Anyway, I'm going off on a tangent, tangent now, but I think one of the things that I've, I've noticed that other salon owners have messaged me that's really hard is about people leaving because they take it really personally, like they've done something wrong, that they're not good enough, it hurts their sense of self. Um, and I've really disconnected myself from that now. I've experienced it. I've felt that feeling, but I don't feel that feeling now. Well, maybe I do a tiny bit, but not as much. Okay, can I? I'm gonna play. I'm gonna play the the stylist in the, in that conversation. Okay, because yeah. uh, I've we, I've worked for someone before that did not allow me to have that kind of open relationship. If if I wanted to try to experiment to be on my own, instead of yeah. taking pride and help building me the the stylist that I am, he yeah. got mad at me like I owed him uh, my loyalty and. Uh, I don't need to, I shouldn't work anywhere else, but here. So as a stylist, I mean, that's hard, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's like totally natural for people to move on. Like people do it. Mm -hmm. And I'm a hundred percent see it from a stylist side. I've been a stylist. I've moved on myself. So I, I, it's a, it's slightly illogical and it's more emotional and whether that a hundred percent and whether that salon owner likes to say it or not, especially if it's a guy, the guy likes to not, oh, I'm not bothered. They are. Um, but I think there's something that we have to do as salon owners to separate ourselves emotionally and realize that it's just natural. But I think what it is, is usually when you grow someone and you look after them, they feel like a child, you know? Um, but I've always said, if someone goes on to doing something better, I'm super psyched. But if someone takes like a, more of a sidestep and down, I'm really disappointed because I, I want the best for that person. Right. So if right, someone says, oh my God, I've just been given the ambassadorship and I'm going to work for TG and I'm going to go international and blah, blah. I'd be like, oh my God, that's amazing. Yeah. Uh, um, but then it's a bit harder. Sorry, please. No, I'm sorry. Because uh, when you were saying about before, if they took a sidestep and they, and they, they, didn't perform the way you know you wish they performed like better mm. uh you're disappointed but if you had that relationship with them you can probably still have give them advice or help them you know what i mean if if you had that to be open, a continued mentor exactly mm-hmm. yeah i mean but, it, yeah i think you should still carry on but i mean you said that it was an you know when there's these splits there's the emotional side to it but you know there's also a practical a practical side to it as well and and i think and i think where a lot of salon owners and certainly i think i've experienced this is that it just comes it just flat out becomes a client grab you know it becomes like whose client is it you know and okay, this is the next conversation and it, it, it it's it's really torn isn't it it causes so much pain yeah both people like, like, yeah. like I've never felt like I was in a situation where I could give two weeks notice because I've sat and watched people give two weeks notice and then, you know, get their bags packed and they leave at the end of the day. You know, I've witnessed that I'm a few so times. I'm so glad you said this. So this is my thing. So I have always said to the staff, as long, if they're going down the road to, to a little salon, that's slightly different. But if they're moving on to something different, um, I've tried to say to them, please give me as much notice as you can. It's easier on the business, blah, blah. In four years, I have never, ever sacked someone on the spot. If they give me their week's notice, the general thing in the, in the industry is you let them go. I never have, even if they're going somewhere else, I, I am good to them. I'll look after them right to the last minute. 
But nevertheless, there are always people that because they've been burnt, probably like yourself in other salons, where when they've given their notice, they've been screwed. Of course, they're not going to do, do the right thing. So my word to other salon owners is if you could try and do the right thing more, you would build this reputation with stylists so that stylists would do the right thing. Everybody wants to protect themselves before the other person does it. Sure. So I don't blame the stylist for not giving notice because they're going to be sacked on the spot because there's such a reputation of salon owners doing that. But let's yeah. talk, let's talk about some of the things that, that salon owners struggle with or what their anxieties that, you know what I mean? Things that maybe you can help give light and, and, and maybe help them like, you know, they're not going through this alone. Right. Mm -hmm. So let's talk yeah. about some of the things that, that yeah, maybe you struggle with or, you know, that you, yeah. I think one of the things that they, they tell me that they struggle with is the fact that, um, stylists never really understand how low the profits are in salons it's actually a pretty shitty business model hair salons for how it really is for how much energy and effort has to be churned for how much money in the end if you look at that through lots of different businesses especially including like um a lot of tech businesses and stuff these days our our outgoings are astronomical so i think one of the stresses for stylists uh, sorry for salon owners is that it always looks to stylists like we're just creaming, you know, like it just looks like, but I don't think that's the case for 99% of the salons in the UK. I think it's really hard. And I think product costs are rising so much. Um, and it's not really the product cost. It's more about the fact that the people want colors that take more product. Yeah. Right. So I'm going to, I'm going to throw in a little plug for this company yeah, called please. Salon Scale. And what, so salon scale, I think they're, they're kind of a game changer in our industry. And if more people can kind of follow their method, I think it would put more money in the salon owner's pocket because what they do, any other business like ours, like say, say like a car mechanic, right? They yeah. charge you labor, but they charge you parts too, right? So therefore right. they're not eating that cost here. Mm -hmm. Our colorists, they'll charge you labor, but they, that parts are included in that labor. Uh, yeah. So what salon scale is teaching everybody is that, you know, you're, you're charging your labor, but you're also, you're charging parts, right? So you're not no, you're eating that. They have, great. yeah, their scale is amazing because what they do is um, you open up that you open up their app and like, let's say you guys, you guys use crazy color, right? Not like, mm -hmm. well, let's say you're using pulp riot. You understand what mm -hmm. pulp riot is mm -hmm. and everybody mm -hmm. does. So, you know, 50 grams of pulp riot is much, much, much more expensive than 50 grams of like, a permanent, you know, redkin, like, you know, uh, gray coverage. So what they're doing is they're breaking up the parts. So they're saying 50 grams of pulp riot is going to cost you as a salon owner, $15, where it's only going to cost you for 50 grams. I don't know, like three or $4 with the other one. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, our model in the past was like, well, let's average that up. And like uh, Peter will pay Paul, you know, but what this does is, yeah, right. Yeah. So what, what this does is this says, no, you're a vivid client and this is how much product we use. And then they're putting that, they're putting that cost, the exact cost. So you weigh it out and it'll give you the, what your exact cost is for developer, for color, for everything. Mm -hmm. and, and then you can, then you can put that on, um, you can forward that to the, uh, to, to your, to your guest, you know, and, then, and, and yeah, it's, it's a really, really great, um, a great thing. Um, uh, it's an amazing thing for salon ownership. Um, mm -hmm. 
with that. Now, it doesn't take into account like foils and stuff. So you still have to kind of like, you know, average that out. But as far as like the actual color. I went to my cousin's salon. My cousin still lives in my old hometown. Um, and it's, it's not a particularly wealthy area where I'm from. It's in the north of England. And I went to do some education there. Was, she's got four staff. And we were doing a, a balayage. And I said, okay, let's have a look at the cost of this. So I, I noted down every bit of color that we'd used on that client. And then I said, how much is the girl in, on an hour, blah, blah, blah. And we wrote it all down on this piece of paper. And we looked down the piece of paper and her costs were 78 pounds. And I said, how Whoa. much do you charge for a balayage? And she said, 50. So I was like, it's costing her 28 pounds to do that. Every time she color. Yeah. Wow. But the area is so competitive. Uh, for cheaper pricing, I, I, she's like, but if I charge more, I'm the most expensive on the road by 50%, you know? Um, but, say, but, say, but, but even even if, say, you charged 100 pounds, right? So 50% goes to the hairdresser, leaves you 50 pounds, and uh, it's costing you, you know, 28 pounds. He's actually making a loss. Actually making a loss, yeah. Now, the thing is, she makes so much money out of her hair extensions that she's probably in really good profit, so therefore she's not noticed where she's losing money. Um, but I think it's really interesting to to really, I mean, someone taught me to do this once, which is really good for a staff member to get a pie or a cake and bring it into the salon and be like, okay, so this is the product, this is the tax, this is your slice, and like literally slice the cake in different sections and then you can see how much of the cake is left. And I thought that's really, really good way of showing it, actually, just so that we, you can see that. We have we have a friend named um, Jen Plank, and she's like a, a, a she hits the word motivational speaker, but that's exactly what she is. And what she does is she takes she takes a dollar bill and she rips yeah. it in half, and she goes, "Okay, that's your half." And then she yeah. starts tearing the dollar oh. bill, and she goes, "She goes, okay, this is electricity. This is this. This is this. This is product cost. This is this is salon help. This is receptionist. This is." And then, like oh. when it's all done, it's like like a sawdust little bit of the dollar left, you know. And then you know, and, and that's if everything goes perfect. And then you blow it away if it doesn't. If everything doesn't go perfect, it's just this great example of. Um, I get a lot of self-employed stylists contact me, and they want their own salon. And they're like, Sophia, like I've run my own column for this amount of time and I'm ready to do it. And when I really listen to them, I honestly think they'd be better to stay self-employed, renting their chair. Because if they go and get themselves a four-seater with the amount of costs and things, they're probably making better money there. Honestly. Honestly. I mean, obviously, if you scale it up, if you go on to 10 stylists and 50, yeah, of course, then you've got, of course, you're going to make more money. But it, when you're in those smaller levels... I would be really careful if anybody is thinking of, oh, okay, I'm ready for the next step to be careful about it because you will not sleep at night. You will have constant worry about what's going on and whether you can keep that business open. And then someone's going to leave. If the business is small and two people leave, you're screwed. So then you've got to pump clients and get it out. And plus you're doing everything else. You have to really work out if you're going to earn 25% money, more money, is that really going to be worth how much more, stress you're going to put onto your life and how many more hours you're going to do because actually for that 25 percent more money you could probably just do a few extra clients every friday night <laughs> and actually go home and lock the door and be done so i'm i love being a salon owner like i love it but it isn't for everyone and it and you go to bed every night thinking about nothing but the salon 
and you are mid conversation with your friend and you drift off thinking about something that happened with someone yesterday and how to sort it out. I got uninvited to my one of my best friend's weddings when the salon had only been open. It was just about to open about a month before. And she told me not to come because she said I'd be, I wouldn't be present. And I got uninvited from her wedding because my brain was just so preoccupied. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I lost friends at the start of opening my salon. I didn't have, I didn't have half my friends by the time the salon was one year. How'd that feel? Like when she was like, don't come to my wedding. It was a month before I opened. And basically what happened was I had to get money from all different places. It was a quarter of a million pounds. And I got money from the bank and money from a loan, money from whatever. But none of them would lend me the money without the other person. So I had to kind of fake it and pretend that I'd got the money in from the other person. I hadn't. And I also hadn't got the keys and all sorts was happening. And I said to her, this is really awful. I said, just so that you know, if my, my granddad was quite ill and I loved my granddad, if my granddad died tomorrow, I probably wouldn't go to his funeral next week. Because if I drop a single ball, I will lose a quarter of a million and I will be in debt with everyone. And I will, I will be trying to turn back this money for the next 20 years. Like, I don't think you understand how more serious this is. Like I'm having to make life decisions right now. That's like, I can't do anything but this. Um, we're friends now. We got back in contact <laughs> a few years later, which is really nice. And I don't blame her, but I think I was a bad friend. I don't think I was really ever there. My brain was just completely preoccupied with trying to keep this place alive. And the mental health wise, I was a bit of a mess. I was super skinny. Um, I, I, I get the opposite of a lot of people. I don't eat very much when I'm really busy and I just get really jaunt. And when people, people walked into my salon when I first opened it, and instead of going, oh my God, like, look at it. They looked at me and they were like, oh, Sophia, are you all right? First thing they say. Mm. I was like <laughs> running on adrenaline and working like 17 hour days. But it does subside. It took me eight months. Everyone said it'd be a year, but it took eight months until I knew I wouldn't lose everything. Once I knew I wouldn't lose anything, I felt like I was breathing. But for a little while, I felt like I was drowning um like just really suffocating every day i was happy actually like really happy but but scared at every minute so therefore i don't think it is for everyone and there's a reason why most salons fail because <laughs> it's hard work I, I i get that i mean um <clears throat> i think we're uh i think you and i are from the same mold or something when it comes mm-hmm. to that because uh i go I go hard for as long as I can until I crash. And by the way, I don't eat either. (laughs) I have the same. I don't, I'm the opposite of that. Um, First off, just thank you for sharing that because I I think just having the conversation about how tough it was for you and how, I I think that's very helpful for people just to hear that. Um, What you said it was eight months. Was it just like the business was picking up and that's kind of what, you know, it's once I knew once I knew I could break even and pay my bills, you know. Mm-hmm. So um, it was really funny. I was doing my computer work by the side of a lady who um, was getting her hair done uh, in my salon, and she said, "Oh, I'm going to open a beauty salon." And my ears pricked up because I was like, "Oh, congratulations!" <laughs> and she said, "Yeah, you know, I just really like a bit more freedom." I'm sick of working for someone and you know it's just really nice to have a few girls or set them off 
and I can just pop in and out and check on them. And I didn't want to be rude because she was a client, but I was like, oh, babe, you, if you never, ever choose this life for freedom um, because you, you're going to imprison your brain now. You think your body's imprisoned by your boss making you come to work nine to five, but your brain is about to be imprisoned, and that's a whole different ball game. Yeah, I can yeah. totally see it. I mean, a lot of times, uh, stylists they want to open up a salon because they feel that's what's next, and they don't yeah, necessarily like what do. right. Uh, but it takes a certain kind of beast to do it and keep it afloat and do it well. And uh, obviously, you're one of those beasts, but. Uh, what are some what are some of the biggest challenges that that you had to just overcome i know straight away we became the victim of our own success within eight months we were rammed i never expected it it what i what happened in the first year and a half i was in my five-year plan and we were so busy we were doing the techniques that you see now, but not as good, like nowhere near as good. We, you know, if I look back on the Instagram, it was nice, but it wasn't what we do now. And we became so busy that no one was getting lunches. No one was getting breaks. There was a lot of excitement and, and, and you know, energy. But at the same time, the mental health of my staff was deteriorating. They were tired um, and they were between excited for everything that was happening. We, we were on the news. Um, we, we were in every country in the world, all this press, it was super, it kept us going. It gave us some energy, but the reality was I overworked my staff and I didn't even see it because I was working so hard. I was busting a ball. I was 16 hours a day. I never stopped. I never braked. that I didn't see that they weren't either. And once the excitement came down of, oh my God, we just became famous. Um, then it was just hard. And that's when I lost some staff. That was my original, the first time that I started to lose staff because they couldn't cope with the pressure cooker that I created. Mm -hmm. um, and that was a big lesson for me, really. Well, let's talk about that lesson. Let's talk about that lesson. So, you know, like you had your first walkout, if we can call it a walkout, um, or, you know, you had your first significant, like, you know, people leaving, like, like, what was that conversation with yourself? Like, how did you become a better salon owner after that walkout as, as opposed to before? I didn't hear it for a little while. Um, I feel like they kept telling me the same thing and I wasn't listening. So the, okay. So this is my conflict. I, I really enjoy well-being. I really enjoy mental health and looking after yourself, all of that. But I'm a high achiever. And to be a high achiever in anything, there's no balance. There is a hundred mile an hour in one direction without anything going on at the sides. And that's how you get to that level. And I was attracting a lot of high achievers as well. So they're prepared to go hundred percent in one direction with nothing else. No friends, no this, no that. And that their skills were growing incredibly. Like what they were achieving, their reputations, their social media funds, they were accelerated. But not everybody wants that. And not everybody is that. That's for a certain type of person that wants that. So the people that didn't want that, obviously, are, are not going to be part of my team anymore. But the people that do want it, this is my conflict, is that I'd love to have a business that was more about looking after yourself and mental health. But if you come to me because you want to be famous and you want to be the best colorist in the country, then you're going to bust a ball. 
really, really hard in one direction and you're going to be able to do nothing else and you're not going to be able to see your friends and you're going to spend every single week doing shows and doing education and doing this and all this stuff. So I guess the conflict I, I, I keep having with myself is in this modern world, young people want more balance and I want to give it them because I believe in that. But if you want to be me, you have to do what I did because there's no other way around it. There's no balanced way to get this successful. There's not. So what have I learned? A fuckload. <laughs> um, I've learned that to identify the people that want my trajectory better. Who are those people that want to block everything out and end in one direction and be incredibly successful? And who are those people that want a really beautiful life and have small amounts of each of those things? More balance. And I'm actually, there's room for everyone. Do you have, hold on, you say that, is there space for somebody that wants more balance at your salon or are you just looking, or are you just looking for the, for the, for the straight ahead, you know, ball breakers? Oh, yeah, you might've got me there, babe. Yeah. Here's what, here's what, there's a little bit of space for a little bit of balance, but there, it's definitely never going to compete with. I want to be self-employed and I want to be able to have like long weekends with my friends and blah, blah. It's, it's, oh, it's just not the place to work. Do you know how I've improved? When I interview people, I say, you will not have this. You will not have this. You will have this. You won't have that. I'm really clear on what I can deliver and what I can't. And therefore when they come, they know what they're buying into now. Whereas I think they didn't know what they were buying into before. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Or maybe the thing is when people come to me, everybody wants a slice of our like pie as far as the, they want to be well known and they want the education level, but you've also got to contribute to making the pie, you know? So do you, do you yeah, have, go on. Do you have any trouble with, this is a tough, com this is a, t a tough question, but, but I'm, I'm going to so go it. So, do, I mean, do you have, do you have issue with your, your Sophia Hilton, not the salon, but with your, yeah. with your light being so bright and then casting shadows over the rest of your staff? Do you have people that, that either don't see it as genuine? I don't want to put words in the mouth. No, but, but, but is this, well, I mean, just, you know, is it hard to stand in your bright light That's really or, interesting. or shadow um, in your, in, from your bright light, if that makes sense? Actually. Maybe another time this will be true, but no, because the staff that I took on in the last few years don't want my life. That's why they left. <laughs> <laughs> so in some ways, I can't even imagine if I had a salon that everybody would kind of want to be me and they don't want to be me, probably because they see me dying half the time. And they're like, whoa, I don't want a piece of that, you know? So I would say no, actually. And I would, if, if it was the truth, I promise you I would tell you the truth. But what happened is I ended up having a whole salon of people that didn't want to do the kind of things I wanted to do. So we had shows coming up and no one wanted to do shows. We had education opportunities and they didn't want to teach. And I was like, oh my God, are you kidding? Like, I would give my right arm for this stuff. So then I guess I, I realized that not everybody's me. Not everybody wants what I want. So no, I don't think there's a shadow. I think, I think I'm trying to understand who wants what I want and who doesn't. But we are a fast-moving company, and I've now I've been better when I interview to tell people if you work here, 
you're going to be pretty tired. I'm going to do extra training with you at every opportunity. Like I, I'm never ever going to let you get stale. Like I'm just going to keep improving your skills and improving your skills at every minute. And if you want a rest, you're probably not going to get it. Um, so if I can tell people that and be honest in the interview, they can make the right decision for them before they come. And I think that's better. Mm. Yeah. I love that. I know I, I'm going to mess this up, Tony. So I'm going to, I'm going to lean on you a little bit. What's, um, what's Daniel's three C's or is it four C's? Oh my goodness. What Way to it? throw me under the bus. So, too. so Daniel Mason Jones, he has a, uh, he has a 60 staff. I think it's 60 hairdressers wow. actually. Right. But, but mm-hmm. three C's, right? It's three C's. So in his interview process, he has three C's. Oh, Sophie, I'm gonna, I'll text this to you later. But, yeah, sure, but, but and, and maybe we'll put it in the show notes. But, um, but Daniel has three C's of, of these, the three questions that he asked during an interview. And, and he's very much the same as you. you know, um, mm-hmm. Daniel, just so you know, Daniel does $1.2 million from behind his chair every year. And he does that in four days. Um, so he's very much a, he's very much a go-getter and, 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 and how to do that. And, you know, he's got the great, we're going to go off on Daniel for a sec. Cause we love Daniel yeah. as well, but you know, Daniel has four assistants that work with him every day and, and he doesn't, he doesn't say these are my assistants. What he says is that these are four future millionaires because I'm teaching them how to do yeah. a million dollar chair, you know? And it's like, uh, he's pretty brilliant when that comes. Do you know what? I, I've got some really, you know, I've got, I do have some fantastic relationships with people that have left. I still, I still go out with one person like quite regularly. Um, maybe not all of them, but a lot of them I have good relationships with. Um, and the one thing I can say proudly is every hairdresser that stepped in my building has left double the hairdresser than they came. I, I, I know it. I can guarantee it. I say it with faith. So it might be tough and it might be strong, but it, that's why people come to me. You know, and maybe halfway through, they're going to have a meltdown and be like, oh, my God, this is so challenging. (laughs) Of course, of course. But to get to that level, that's what it's going to take, you know. But I've learned I've learned a lot. And um, imagine working for a company that's growing as fast as we grew and then the company changing into different directions of something that you never signed up for. Right. Suddenly I was like, okay, guys, we're all doing education. They're like, I don't want to educate. And I'm like, oh, shit. (laughs) (laughs) No well, way. now I've got a whole salon of people that don't want to educate, but I have got every country in the world wanting us to go. Like I have every country in the world wanting us to be there. And then I had lots of people that didn't want to do it. Anyway, so. I mean, well, let's talk about, let's talk about that challenge, right? So yeah. one, you have to, you have to, as, as a person and as a leader in that salon, you have to sit back and go, oh shit, now what? Like, like I've created enough of a brand or, or enough of a brand has been created, you know, yeah from all of their efforts, but now like you don't have somebody to fill those, those, those bits. What do you do? What? That's a huge challenge. There was a point where I looked around my salon about a year and a half ago and I was like, I love these people, but I can't actually grow with them. Like they're, they're amazing. They're amazing at what they do, but all the opportunities and the cool things that are going on right now, that's not their vibe. Right. And that was a bit sad for me because I felt like I worked so hard for those opportunities and they weren't being taken. And yet I'm getting millions of messages from people all over Instagram being like, can I come and assist you teaching? I'd love to be a teacher. How can I be a teacher? And then I was telling the people that don't want to. But um, so, yeah, that was that was really frustrating, actually, because we were turning down work left, right and center. Wow. And that sucks, especially when you're like a, when you're a blinders kind of a push forward kind of a leader. 
Hey, so um, so I just texted Daniel and I asked him what the three C's were, and <laughs> they weren't necessarily C's. Yeah, yeah, it was it was H's. So three, well, close enough. Close enough. All right. So this is straight from Daniel. Uh, Daniel has the three H's of hiring, and he says, um, "Are you humble? Because he can't teach you to be humble. Um, uh, uh, he can't teach you to hustle." So, you know, he, he right. gauges um, your hustle and are you ready to hustle? And, and, and the most important one, and he, like again, that. the most important one is, are you hungry? Because if you're not hungry, he doesn't have a space for you. So if you, if you don't have those three things and, and, and you can, and, and he can gauge that in some way in you during that, um, that's certainly his vision when he, in the hiring process, then uh, he doesn't have space. If for you're you. not hungry, you're not going to hustle. Yeah, completely. True. Completely. And, yeah, uh, yeah, I love that. I really love that. But I think there's different workplaces for different things that you're looking for. And I think you come here for growth. Mm. That's, that's you got you to come up with your three G's. Growth. All right. <laughs> Go get them. <laughs> <laughs> and no, I'm not going to be able to do that. <laughs> so, so, yeah, I guess as we're starting to wind this thing down a little bit, what are some of the the – tips and tricks that you you want to tell other salon owners uh when they start to feel these things how to to stay confident or get over uh you know whether it's mental or you know it's taking a physical toll i mean what are some of your tips and tricks to to get over this or to get past it Mm, that's really interesting I think trying to find a network of other salon owners. I've got a salon owner in Ireland and we voice note each other all the time and we just offload. And it's just really beautiful because she's got a really big successful salon. Um, and the more honest I've been, the more honest she's been. So I think if, when I go to an industry event and they go, Oh my God, Sophia, how's things? I'll be like, Oh oh my God, absolutely shit. This just happened. This just happened. Blah, 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 blah. (laughs) And I'll just go there and I'll just say, and then even someone that's quite closed, which is usually a guy and usually a bit older, just to to, like to overgeneralize because they'd like to share less. And honestly, it tends to have salon owners, very businessy. They they, they really harden up, you know? And uh, as soon as I do that, they're like, Oh, okay. And then they start to like say something. So I think the best thing is with other salon owners to just bolster the wall, say what's happening. And then you'll be so relieved to find out that you are not alone and that it happened to them last year or it's happening to them now or, um, yeah, stuff like that. So my, my tips are find people to be honest with and don't lie. Don't lie. It feels so much better to be honest. Like don't lie about you know everything going great when it's not or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, don't because then you can really connect to another human. The only way we can really connect to another human is vulnerability. The more vulnerable we are, the more we connect, and the more we grow. You're amazing. Yeah, it, she's incredible, right? She almost, you know what you need is you need like a private Facebook page with just like owners from around the world, so everybody can I kind, love of, that. kind of. I have thought about that quite a lot, you know. I really have just somewhere where we can all just connect and share the problems and, and, and not feel alone. It would be hard to manage it though, because the last thing you want too is just a place to have a bitch session, right? Like it has to be productive and not just like, just, not yeah. just um, unload, you know? You do feel very lonely though. Could I tell you something quite funny just to end on this is that I said to my husband, the one thing that I don't love about my salon is the staff room is so small that it's not like Brooks and Brooks that I used to work at. Brooks and Brooks was huge and there was so much banter and so much laughter and we just don't get that. And he said, 
oh no, you do. You're just not part of it. And I was like, oh. <laughs> and for the first time I realized that the staff room stuff did go on. I was just not in it anymore. And that was hard because I loved being in and you lose that and you do become alone no matter how hard you try. So. That's amazing. Sucks. <laughs> <laughs> so, Sophia, um, you're coming to America. Coming yeah. to America. Um, I'm going to ruin that because that wasn't even the name of the song. Right. You know, we, do, yeah. we, do, we just make up our own words with it. It's the name of a movie, though. Yeah, yeah exactly. And, and, and a yeah. sequel is coming up soon. So, uh, so what's your sequel? When are, you, when are you coming to the U.S.? Where can people get tickets? All that stuff. So we're coming in June. I've got a color show in Connecticut, and then I'm heading over to Claremont in LA. It's Claremont, right? Yeah, yeah right. I think so, yeah. I'm trying. Um, and you can get tickets if you go on notanother.com. There's all three of my businesses. So there's not another salon on there. There's not another social media um, company. And then there's not another academy. And if you jump on not another academy, tickets are on there. I would love to see you. And if it all goes well, I can keep coming back, which That's, would be powerful. We, de- we definitely want to bring you back, and we would love to, uh, to, to, to sponsor you and have you come uh, and hang out with us one weekend. Um, and, oh, and the Connecticut show, like, she's with two of our really good friends because she's going to be with uh, Miss Gina Bianca and the amazing, the wonderful Olivia Smalley, who, uh, if uh, you give a shout-out to Olivia, because yeah, she's, really you know, cool. she's, she's amazing. And if... If you can get into her social media class, it's literally the best one in the business. She she breaks down like from camera settings to hashtags to positioning your 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 um your your model to everything. She breaks it down and, and just makes it makes us dumb hairdressers look smart. It's gonna be you know? a, a great class, dude. I know that's like three three of them, three totally boss ladies. You know, yeah. it's amazing. All right, Miss Sophia. I, I literally we could talk for hours and hours and hours, but um, I think people would just get bored of us, you know, kissing your butt the whole time. <laughs> but um, thanks again. Thanks for hanging out with us. And, and, thank and, you so and, much. I, I really hope we can continue to do this. And uh, thank you, Sophia Hilton, for joining us on your day off. Hey, hey, so there it is. Hey, this is a message that um, we've been trying to bring, I don't know, for the last couple of months, actually since we started the podcast. Hey, so if you like the podcast or if you find that it's useful, please, please, please leave us a review, a five-star review on iTunes. Um, leave us a rating and a review. But if you don't like it, forget about it. <laughs> yeah, totally forget about this message. We also want to thank Sarah and Blaine from Pretty Gritty. Uh, Sarah and Blaine, they are a band out of uh, Portland, Oregon, and we just want to thank them very much for allowing us to use their song, Pleased to Meet You, on our podcast. Um, that's cool. I think you can find, actually you can, you can find their music on, um, on iTunes. Peace and hair grease. <laughs>